Hello, hello! Welcome to Dubai Fashion News, the podcast where you can get to know everything about the fashion industry. Here we will interview fashion designers, influencers, models, photographers, shop owners, you name it. And what for? To learn their insights, their stories, and the lessons they learn along the way. I'm your host, Arcele Gallego, recording from the beautiful city of Dubai. Today's guest is Shahed Alasali. Shahed is the entrepreneur behind Blue Meets Blue an ethical luxury fashion label that is making its mark by employing female refugees in the U.S. and helping them integrate. Her story is beautiful, and her clothes even more. Not only they have timeless elegance and great materials, they are sewn with love, care, and respect for humankind. She's going to tell us how her humanitarianism impacts the bottom line of her business, if having a beautiful story helps with the sales or only with headlines, and how she organizes the work and the production at her atelier in Chicago. Stay put, don't go anywhere. The interview starts right now. Hi, Shahed. No. <laughs> okay. We're going to have a recording of a podcast. This is how we actually record the podcast normally. We are doing it live so that you guys can see what is behind the scenes. And, uh, and it's a lot of fun. So join us. If you have any questions, shoot it. Yes. <laughs> we have a very interesting interview today. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. So her name is Shahed. 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 Shahed mm-hmm. from Blue Meets Blue. Uh, we met her in uh, in the event called Preta Cobert mm-hmm. that they did at the Islamic Fashion and Design Council, an event that it was it happened here in Dubai. Correct. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to know a little bit about everything, really, because your story is super interesting. Tell me about your brand. How did it start? When did it start? Um, so we started in 2015. Uh, we're based in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And we started uh, starting, you know, the questions and the research in 2015 and then we officially launched it in 2016 so we've okay. been around for about two years now good it's yeah. pretty young it's very young yes. and what is it about what is the, the the core of your fashion brand um so we're trying to solve so many problems we are <laughs> um so it, it's an ethical humanitarian fashion line mm-hmm. uh, we employ refugees in the u.s after they arrive to the united states and start resettling we want to make sure that they have an opportunity to work Um, So that's one. And then two, we're also trying to tackle the fast fashion problem in the fast fashion industry. So we focus on slow fashion, Mm -hmm. ethical manufacturing, um, and just, uh, just really two seasons a year. Um, so that's that's kind of what we're doing. Oh, nice. So it's only two years ago. And how do you feel it's actually going? How you... It's going really well. Um, people in the U.S. are very excited about the idea of... Um, Right now, ethical consumerism is growing and it's on the rise and people are very excited to support um, not just the clothing line, but all kinds of uh, things that they purchase. They want to make sure that it's a good cause and they're excited to support more than one cause. They're getting something cool, a product that they're going to enjoy wearing while also knowing that they're supporting a bigger, greater cause. Yeah, very true. So your motto is where fashion meets humanitarianism. Mm -hmm. What is your personal story? How did you connect with this cause? Um, well, I my family is actually Syrian, and when the um, refugee crisis uh, in 2011 was, it was starting to become a problem. By 2013, uh, we had hit 60 million refugees worldwide. 
which is a giant 60 million refugees worldwide. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, displaced from their homes from all around the world, not just Syria, from obviously yeah. from all around the world. But it was such a big number, and I, I felt like there's so much that can be done yeah. um, to just help people, and you just really have to find a way to do that. So I wanted to combine uh, my two passions, which was design. I grew up with design. My grandmother... Um, it's funny because she's actually also a psychologist, oh. which my formal <laughs> training was in psychology, but she is the seamstress. She was amazing. She used to make all her kids' clothing by hand, and um, it was just very beautiful. And so um, when I used to go in the summer, she would sit me down, and she would teach me the quality, uh, oh. you know, the fine fabrics and beautiful sewing and the importance of ironing your clothes and yeah. things like that. <laughs> um, so I grew up with that around me uh, and always took classes and always had an interest. Officially, I did um, international psychology. And as the refugee crisis was hitting that high, um, my thesis was about working with refugees after they arrived to their new country um, and ways to help them really feel settled in, ways to help them feel um, like they're starting their lives over without, well, not without the PTSD and depression, but ways to alleviate that. Um, So the number one thing really is finding work and finding uh, a job. And so that's what we do. So you study psychology and you study fashion. Mm -hmm. But you started first with your grandmother, but then later you you, you study uh, fashion So not too, an or? entire degree, but yes, I took classes of design and color theory and fabrics and everything. <laughs> <laughs> why, why the name of the brand is Blue Meets Blue? Where is it coming from? Um, just the vision of, you know, thinking of when refugees leave their, their country. Um, sometimes they take a very difficult, challenging journey, and that entails being on a boat. Um, and the only thing they see as they're leaving is the blue of the ocean meeting the blue of the sky. Oh, and so, oh, so that's journey, an image. Exactly. Their journey to freedom oh, wow. or to hope. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yes. Oh, it's beautiful. Thank you. Very Thank romantic. You very much. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it, makes, it makes sense as, yeah. a, as, a, as definitely as, as your brand values. Yes. Too, definitely. Tell us about the refugee crisis. I, I'm surprised, but the numbers that you gave is just amazing. Oh, yeah. Why is it starving. so bad right now? We are supposed to be more advanced as a society. Why is it so bad? You know, I I mean, it's very sad. It's uh, There's so many uh, wars going on around the world, and people are leaving their... You know, by definition, a refugee is someone who's forced out of their home yeah. um, because of war or natural disaster no. or whatnot. And there's just so much strife going on, and people are escaping that, and they're trying to find refuge in other countries. Um, so definitely, this is the worst humanitarian crisis since World War II, and um, the numbers are wow. staggering, uh, and it's in every country, you know. But there's some countries that ha- are hosting more refugees than others, um, and there's really, I mean, there's just so much that we can all do uh, to help. So mm-hmm. it's, I, I mean, it's it's a very sad situation. So you, you kind of like put together the dots, like I want to help, yep. and at the same time I want to create a fashion brand exactly. and I want to put it together. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's where it all came from. I um, I mean, I'm a mother and I have children and my daughter always tells me she's got these wild dreams. She wants to be the first female president in the U.S., which I'm like, oh, yes. I'll vote for her. <laughs> she asks me, are you going to vote for me? Who else is going to yeah, vote yeah. for me? Um, but I always, you know, with what I'm doing, I want her to know that, you know, whatever path she chooses to say, hey, I, I want to make sure that I can help. And whatever whatever 
my you know industry she's going to go into or so i want it to be an example also for my children as they're growing up to see that there's a way um whatever you do to help out and that's i think at at the end that's the most important thing yeah and what can we do then for example in your case you are you're actually doing already quite a lot You, you tell us a little bit later how but for example from the individual perspective from my perspective from my my shoes from the company shoes from the society shoes what can be done there's so many things people can do for example they can support uh uh you know industries that are helping refugees they can um potentially employ refugees you know the, there's so many chains right now that are uh you have starbucks that had this huge campaign to just employ refugees mm-hmm. um i think at at a at that level it's so important that they find jobs so helping them find jobs work is dignity and it's very important yeah. that they're able to um yeah. to find work in their yeah. new country and then also helping them find friends and helping them have a community i mean there's people are coming complete culture shock yeah. in, in many cases they're going to countries where the culture is completely different and sometimes all it takes is just can i help you what can yeah. i do and i think that's you know the simplest thing that anyone can do so in your case you're employing female refugees uh, specifically female refugees we do have uh, a male designer and he's um, incredible he had his own line in turkey for three mm-hmm. years uh, but we are definitely trying to work uh, mostly with female refugees we want to empower women yeah. we live in a male-dominated society we normally have it more difficult than men. exactly we live in a male-dominated society normally. and um, it's already difficult for women to find jobs let alone be refugee women yeah. um So that's something we we really uh, value and mm-hmm. we make sure that we're focusing on that. So when you receive them, do you, do you train them or they already have they the skills? Come, I mean, so many people that are coming from these countries, uh, this is something that they already know. This is something they're taught growing up how to sew and how to do beading and very simple for them. Uh, but actually many of them uh, used to either work in factories um, where they used to sew Uh, or they used to be home seamstresses as well. Oh, wow. Um, and it's very important uh, for them that they're working in their skill set. Um, when they're working in their skill set, they're feeling empowered. Yeah. And true. so we want them to feel like you're contributing to something. We're not, you know, you're not getting a job that's below your uh, skill set yeah. and below your qualifications. Many people come from their country and they're overqualified for a lot of the positions they're given because they're getting taken advantage of. Yeah. So we want them to feel like you're completely qualified. We completely trust the, you know, work that you're doing and they feel confident doing so and they feel like they're contributing as well to the they're excited. They're mm-hmm. like, "Oh, I have an idea. What if we do it like this?" And it's just so exciting to see them feel uh that empowerment. Yeah. It it causes so much It's um, so powerful. It's therapeutic. It's yeah. very therapeutic. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, because they need to a lot. You know, to forget a lot from absolutely behind. Yeah. So, what kind of positions are they holding in your, uh, in your company? From every, I mean, we so we have um, my co-designer. He is um, a designer. He's helping me design the pieces. He's also a pattern But this, maker. This one is the one that you mentioned that is a male from designer. Turkey. Yeah. Okay. Um, he had his own line. He worked in like powerhouse powerhouses of fashion in Lebanon and Turkey. And he's our main pattern maker as well. Um, we have people that work on the beading. We have people working on um, you know, the sewing. So basically everything, all, yeah. All the different mm-hmm. jobs within all the, different the atelier. Jobs. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I've been an expat all my life, as mm-hmm. I told you before. And I, f- I feel it's so important when you reach a country. It's not only about, you know, like, 
oh, I'm here, I'm safe. Yes. You need to actually feel like somehow welcome. Like, exactly. Like you are accepted. Yes. You are, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not only the job, but the feeling of being able to. Mm-hmm. How do you manage with the able to communicate part? Because I guess it's difficult. Some of them may speak English. Yeah, Some the language barrier. The language difficult. barrier. How do you sort it out? Um, well, the language barrier. Because is it's very so difficult. important for the integration. Absolutely. Well, and they come in through resettlement agencies, and the resettlement agencies help them find places where they get ESL uh, tutoring, and that's very important for them. And as you can imagine, it adds to the depression of not being able yeah. to communicate basic things, not to, you know, being able to do public transportation or some something simple as taking your kids to school or grocery yeah. shopping, and you're just unable to do that because you can't communicate. Yeah. Um, so that's uh, one of the first mm-hmm. things they actually do, the resettlement agencies, is help them with that adjustment, which is great. Um, moreover, when they're working with us, it's very exciting because we work with refugees from all around the world uh-huh. um, to see so them it's try not one particular no, country no. or region. No, mm-hmm. um, to see them, you know, they have to use English because now they need to communicate yeah. with one another. <laughs> so that's also very great because it's forcing them to use the language, practice the language, um, have people around them like myself that's able to kind of coach them through it. So that's that's also very exciting. At the beginning, I imagine it's the very it's difficult, difficult. Yeah. But you know, English is a global language, and many of them already come with. Um, while it's difficult, you know, grammatically and and with larger ideas, but they're able to get by yeah. with a few words that they yeah, know. So, yeah, yeah. And that they're adding to that list. And all I the think time. also fashion is is a is a language on itself it's when it comes to art. Some yeah, it's something a artistic, common language. It's creative. So mm-hmm. if it's in you, you will find a way to exactly draw it or yes. somehow communicate. Yeah. Communicate it. Yeah. It, it, I mean, if you would be a different kind of a, mm-hmm. a lawyer or something, you need to have the precise words sure. and stuff. Mm-hmm. But fashion has a unique. Uh, yes language on itself so Mm -hmm. that's good (laughs) it helps in this case it helps (laughs) how does your humanitarian approach impact your bottom line I I think this is something that probably everybody is asking you how does it affect your production is it more costly you have to take care of visas paperwork is it maybe more inefficient because maybe of the language barriers how do you how you know how does it work for you this well we produce in the US so we're not doing any um, you know, outsourcing none of that. We're producing everything the, is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, you know, we're when you're sourcing high quality fabrics or you're you're you, you know, part of our foundation is the whole ethical premise, right? So we're paying really good wages. Mm-hmm. We are um, sourcing high quality fabrics, and of course, that makes the garments much more expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you're you, avoiding you, fast fashion in any we're case. We're avoiding we, fast yeah, fashion. Somebody's paying for fast fashion. Somebody is paying along the right, way. Right, right. Um, and you're getting what you pay for. You're getting, you know, very high quality made garments, um, hand beaded pieces that are very beautiful. So, so you would say that kind of like Blue Meets Blue is in the range of uh, ethical, other ethical fashion brands that maybe don't have this kind of uh, good cause behind, like in your case. Right, right, yeah. It's definitely a luxury, higher-end, ethical fashion line. Uh, what are the pros and cons of actually your your approach to business? Because at the end of the day, it's a business. You, you need to make it profitable, you need to make it happening and rest I, I think with your the, the social cause that you have it resonates already a lot with society because mm. this is a concern yeah. all of us we have Absolutely. what's going on in the world right how does it make it profitable you know mm, does it yeah, help? that's a very good question i mean because at the same time it's a hurdle but at the same time right. it's a benefit <laughs> so how do you come right i mean um so 
there's the story definitely helps mm-hmm. but if your product's not incredible and amazing yeah, no one's gonna true. buy it no matter how great your story is they'll say oh, we like it it's a good idea but i'm sorry i'm not very <laughs> so we make sure that the product obviously comes first we have an excellent product but we also have a really good story so it definitely um people are like oh that's very beautiful and the story is excellent so yeah. now i'm definitely gonna buy it so uh, yeah it's very classical i love i love your lines yes we i mean I love, we're very it's like there's not a it's particular timeless. trend no, or it's something timeless it's, yeah exactly you yes. can wear it anytime any yeah. in, in 10 years you can still exactly. wear the same same exactly. because it looks beautiful yeah i mean while we're definitely um you know we're loving fashion trends and everything but part of fast fashion is the whole well it's made now but two weeks later it's out of fashion yeah that's just does it's not it's not practical so we want very beautiful timeless pieces that also look very classy that yeah. are also modest and that are also sophisticated so that's yeah yeah definitely i need to ask you a little bit about this part um it's a little bit political so we've seen like since the last elections in the u.s there's mm. a lot of people actually we, we they were hidden in reality we didn't thought it would be like that yeah but there were did we. a lot of people <laughs> that are rejecting immigrants yeah to me that's yes nonsense but yeah it's, this? it's hypocritical yeah how is this affecting your business um, are you so, know like relationship with other people in chicago with other neighbors or citizens? well thankfully we live in chicago chicago is a sanctuary city in the yeah. u.s and so it's a very welcoming Um, to immigrants, to refugees, and it's just, it's a very diverse city. Mm -hmm. So we're very grateful that we are in Chicago. Yeah. Um, But I think... um, Was it also a surprise for you when the elections came out? Uh, I think it was a shock to everybody. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, Sadly, I mean, you know, people with with the loudest voices are usually people who are, um, have a lot of hate in them, and they're usually the ones that, but they're, they, I think they're a minority, to be honest with you. And um, the majority of people in the U.S. are very loving and welcoming. And like you said, it's built on immigration. Yes. Unless you're a Native American, you're an immigrant in the country. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so it's whatever generation back, you're an immigrant in the yeah. country. Um, so so um, it is a melting pot. And that diversity and the culture, ri- cultural richness is what makes it really beautiful. Um, so there's definitely a lot of people welcoming refugees, a lot of people that are reaching out to help. And then specifically after the election, um, people were really reaching out to see how they can. I mean, I think it made people bond so much more and it made people get together so much more because they're like, this is unacceptable. Yeah. Let's together find a way to solve this issue. So, so actually, um, in some ways, the this whole past election was... It's actually beneficial somehow, a little bit because somehow, it's getting yeah. a little bit uh, the Absolutely. best of, out of us. <laughs> exactly. I, I mean, that's when we had an outpouring of support and people, you know, knocking on the door and saying, how can we help? Even if people aren't like necessarily, it's not just, oh, we want to purchase stuff. It's how can we offer our services? Yeah. I'm a, um, I work with social media. How can I help you? Just random stuff. And um, there's so many great people in the world. It's full of really good people. It's true. Yes. I truly believe in that. It's just that we get too busy sometimes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> to see you, yes, to do. Yes. Yeah. Um, Trump is changing also migration laws mm-hmm. um, and already restricted uh, people from this region, in particular. Yeah. Some countries yes. of this region are banned to, to enter the US. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah. it's a contradiction because America is yeah. built on on top of immigrants, basically. Mm-hmm. Basically, everybody is an immigrant. When you go to New York and you go to Ellis Island, you have there the Immigration Museum, and you can see that everybody actually yes. is coming from somewhere else. Yeah. To seek uh, refuge. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, 
the basis is to keep terrorism at bay. Right. That's the reason that they're given yes. to themselves mm-hmm. to believe that this is actually okay. <laughs> what do you think could be a better solution to avoid terrorism and help the people that are innocent, which is actually the majority, right. be helped and be able to seek refuge without being judged? Um, well, I mean, I think it's the facts that speak for themselves. So Homeland Security in the U.S. Mm-hmm. found that not one refugee had committed an act of terrorism since they've allowed refugees in. Um, so that's number one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, I think, um, you know, unless people change this mentality, um, I mean, it's really the people that are in the government and the top positions and stuff. And they are, like you said, that's the reason they're giving. Yeah. But and when people do look at the facts and they see that refugees, and they know that national security has a very strict vetting process. This, it's very, you know, and we trust our national security. They're doing an excellent job. Um, and, you know, they're, they're vetting people very strictly. So it's very um, difficult for people to come into the United States as it is. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think people just need to read the facts and do a little research and um, be a little bit more open-minded and more accepting and more human. I Um, think, I think education is key when it comes to all this, to accept each other the way that doesn't matter where we're coming from or what is your, you know, all that definitely if, if, from the very beginning, maybe in schools, in high schools, we would um, work on being more tolerant to each other. And exactly. Each it other. starts at home. It starts at home. Yeah. It starts from when you're young and um, just really learning mm. that and, and, and being, um, you know, more human with one another. I think yeah. just yeah, yeah, yeah. makes a big difference. Yeah, because, for example, after the Rana Plaza, then now the refugee crisis, that is just, yes. we don't know when it's going to stop, if it's going to be even worse or what. Why, why, why do you think we humans end up doing this mess? Is yeah. this just because we are only thinking about money? Money is yeah. everything. I mean, unfortunately, um, you know, like the the example in Bangladesh when the yeah. building collapsed, you know, the whole fast fashion industry, your people are looked at as um, exchangeable, mm-hmm. and they're and they're trying to get the most that they can for the least amount that they can pay you know you have companies that are paying 25 cents for a pair of jeans and then selling them for 60 dollars and buildings are collapsing on top of the employees like when people read about this totally unhuman conditions that building was never supposed to be made as an industrial building it was supposed to be residential Mm. it was not supposed to be commercial and when they told them not to do that and that they they gave them advice they said it's not a good idea to put all that heavy machinery in there Mm -hmm. they still did it because they wanted to make the most money and then killed 1500 plus injured another 2000 yeah and um and and the sad part is it's still happening yeah there was that whole documentary the true cost which i think everybody's watched i saw it and it's so eye-opening yeah totally um but still, people get sad a little bit, and then they move on because at the end of the day, money speaks, and yeah. that's all that matters to big corporations and and investors, and they want to just make money. And um, we're so disconnected from mm-hmm. that. You know, we see it on the TV, but it's just so far away. It's not even 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 the big com- companies that are outsourcing. Yeah. There's so many middlemen in between that they don't even know where they're getting their fabrics from. They don't even know what factories they're using. Yeah. Um. So we're just so disconnected, and I think part of for us bringing the jobs to the u.s and having control over everything every single step makes such a huge difference yeah. because we're like we know everything is you know being produced ethically we see it and so that makes us happy and it makes us feel like 
not only are we helping people out, but we're also not injuring people in exactly, other third world exactly. countries. Um, and the other thing too and is making a difference. Right, so you're the people, the, the people's lives that you're touching, yeah, yeah. you definitely change forever. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell me one thing about ethical, this ethical fashion movement that is coming out. Mm-hmm. What do you think is the future? I like I said, I think. Do you this think is, it's actually gonna become a norm, or still we're not I hope gonna so. reach that stage? <laughs> I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if we're gonna reach it very soon. Because money still speaks a lot, but I do think... And also think there are certain demographics that we still cannot go into the... Uh, exactly. Because... You know, because They ethical, still need to be in the fast fashion Yeah, because like, it's expensive. Range. Yeah. You know, that's number one. Number two, um, you still have people that are... Um, like millennials right now, they mm-hmm. are all looking for a good cause to support. All of them. Yeah. So now retailers are saying, well, hey, this is the biggest money speaks they're the ones that are paying money we need to make sure whether yeah. it's h&m that's like oh we're going to recycle the materials mm-hmm. <laughs> or but still employ people from third world countries or other um brands that are trying to become more ethical in whatever angle they try to find yeah. so they can reach those customers um it's definitely taking that approach because they know that people now want to support a good cause mm-hmm. so i do think that it's on the rise it's definitely an incredible movement and i i, I would love to see it grow let me ask you something as your businesswoman in ethical fashion do you think or do you feel sometimes it's mistaken as a marketing strategy um you know so that's what i'm saying for example the and i don't i don't mean to like single out some companies but for a company to say well now we're ethical we're just we're recycling you know the fabric so that there's no environmental waste yeah but you're still employing people in third world countries and paying them very very minimum wage so that you can make a profit so using that angle just so that you can say hey we're ethical i don't think it's fair to people who really are doing very ethical um so yeah some businesses do use it that way which makes some people not able to trust exactly yeah and that's very difficult but um but i think when you are completely um uh you know clear about what you're doing Mm -hmm. um, and you're transparent your customers do know that and they see that and they they do believe you um, and when you're not, people also can see through that. And um, do you think it's necessary, kind of like you know, like have quality, ethical quality, uh, kind of like council or something that actually says, okay, this brand actually. There is, is there there are a lot of councils that do say that. There's like the Fair Trade Commission. Mm-hmm. And there's all those. Um, so yeah, there's they have very strict policies and very strict rules and. Um, I, I think that's important, uh, but if people want to produce something unethically, they'll find a way to do that. And if yeah. they want to produce it ethically, they'll also find a way yeah. to do that. And consumers are smart, and they'll see through whatever it is, no matter what. So I think, you know, just try to help people as much as you can instead of you know figuring mm-hmm. out ways to make the most amount of money. And um, and and that's what consumers want. Yeah. Yeah. What would be your advice for? fashion designers that are considering to get into ethical fashion and maybe they say, well, but it's going to be difficult. How do, how, what would be your advice? Is it worth it in your case? Would you, would you recommend it? For, so for me personally, because you know, it's supporting people who need it. For me, it's fulfilling no matter how much money is spent into it, no matter how, you know, I, when I see that it's making a difference in yeah. people's lives, it makes me very happy and very fulfilled. Um, so for me, it's worth it. Um, 
I think no matter what you do, whether it's in fashion or any industry, if it's something you're passionate about, yeah. And it's something that you're willing to work hard for. It's worth it for you. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's and 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 it doesn't feel like a job. It doesn't feel like you're working <laughs> for people who are going into it just because that's what the trend is. Then maybe not a good idea. You know, no matter what you do, I think you have to find something you're passionate about. True, very true. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Where in Dubai can we find your clothes? Uh, we are hoping to expand into the Middle East market. We are on bluemeetsblue.com right now. Mm-hmm. We're in e-commerce. Um, and we've been uh, in touch with a lot of buyers at the event that we're at right uh-huh, now. Yeah. Um, we're on Grazia right now as well. And um, yeah, we're, we're looking into many different uh, stores. Lovely, yes. lovely. So in case that uh, our audience or listeners wants to get in touch with you, follow your brand, what yes. are your uh, Instagram handles, Facebook? Uh, Blue Meets Blue on Instagram, Blue Meets Blue on Facebook, and www.bluemeetsblue.com. Perfect. And they can find all the information on the website. Perfect. Yes. Perfect. We will make sure that all awesome. your links are yes, actually in great. the article. Yes. Thank, thank you so you. much. Thank for you so all much your for having me. Thank you very it much. Lovely. It was very you. lovely. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for sharing our story. Well, this was today's podcast. I want to thank you for listening to Dubai Fashion News. No matter if you're in Dubai or not, we are here to share fashion stories that will help you understand better this industry. Our objective is to bring the fashion world closer to everyone and share and learn insights from the fashion experts. I hope you liked the interview and everything Shahad has shared with us. And I want to thank you for subscribing to the podcast and for rating Dubai Fashion News with five stars on iTunes. This is actually super important for the podcast because this is what helps us rank better and get more visibility. By the way, talking about visibility, Dubai Fashion News is looking for sponsors. Yep. I love what I'm doing and I hope you are enjoying it too. But in order to make it sustainable in the long term, we need some assistance. So if you're listening to the podcast and you know someone, whether a designer, a fashion brand, a beauty brand, a fashion school, event organizers or PRs, I don't know, someone that would be happy to talk to a very niche audience of fashion professionals and enthusiasts, Think about us. Send me an email to hello at Dubai Fashion News and become part of this amazing project. And remember to subscribe to have every 15 days a new interview in your feed. If you have questions, a topic, if you want us to bring a specific fashion expert or if you want to come and be here with us, please send us an email to hello at Dubai Fashion News.com. Bye bye and see you in the next podcast.